and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be looking at Loki, Season 1, Episode 6, titled For All Time, Always. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and Sonic Adventurer, Super Runner, Ivan. Hello, thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here today. Former, former runner, definitely not running any like lately so no more no more running who was your uh who was your main character again the guy the the big chubby guy with the elongated the nose yeah that guy with the big mustache no of the of the runners yeah that guy this no, you had the bad guy who just sat in the cannon yeah that's me played by uh jim carrey yeah not accurately though tails was was obviously the the right answer there I was going to say Knuckles because I remember him from the meme. I'm not all that familiar with Sonic lore, I'll be honest. <laughs> You're doing good, but we'll move on so that uh, insecurities there aren't showing. <laughs> all right. Let's talk news. There's so much going on, especially since we uh, just talked some news on the Black Widow episode we recorded earlier this week. Well, you know, we've been recording, I guess, consistently the last couple of weeks, but it feels like we missed out a lot. And then now every time I'm thinking about a new section, I just can't come up with stuff on the fly. But there has been a lot that has actually transpired in the last week. Yeah, I think the big stuff that was uh, this week was the Emmy nominations came out for TV series. And WandaVision killed it in the nominations. So did uh, The Mandalorian. I think... Um, Falcon Winter Soldier had a bunch as well. So Disney Plus is getting a lot of love in this season's awards. Yeah, Disney is dishing out those dollars to get their talent nominated. You would never see like superheroes get noticed for any sort of award. And it seems like that's becoming like it's obviously taken over a whole uh, section of the social culture now. But now it's actually getting recognized in in an award fashion. Yeah, I think a lot of it is this like Hollywood stigma of like, there's there's almost like movies designed to be Oscar contenders and that kind of thing. And the same thing with with like the Emmys. And I feel like recently it's gotten a little bit more back into into more more or less the hands of whatever's popular, mm. um, which I think is is good because ultimately award shows are recognizing that. Right. Like a big achievement in terms of, you know, who who's actually enjoyed all this content. And I feel like no matter where you turn nowadays, the superhero genres everywhere. Yeah, but definitely not taking away anything from like the writing that these uh, actors get to portray on screen. Because without that, they're just superheroes. So, I mean, they're definitely taking a lot of putting a lot of effort into making these quality. Oh, yeah, it's gotten a lot better the last couple of years. I feel like we started kind of hitting our stride with it in, I, I want to say like 2008, right? Like when was... I feel like Dark Knight kind of broke the mold with that, right? Like people started really looking, the mainstream media, I guess, started looking at the genre as something of um, of actual quality, whereas before I feel like they dismissed it a lot. Yeah, true. But uh, there were some like notable snubs off the nomination list. Like Mandal, the Mandalorian got what like twenty four nominations or something crazy, but none were for Pedro Pascal. Like he is the Mandalorian. <laughs> Yeah, and more so in season two, because I, I guess I kind of felt like maybe he was nominated for season one, right? I feel like they, they also did like a bit of a sweep at the Emmys um, last year. But yeah, I, for the season where he spent more episodes than the previous without his helmet on, um, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I, it 
that's very interesting to see. And then in that same vein, Anthony Mackie didn't get any nominations either, which is like, I guess I can maybe make a pass for Pedro Pascal because most of his scenes are still with a helmet on. So it's not really like facial acting. It's just these audio dubs in. But Anthony Mackie is every single scene of that show. <laughs> yeah, he killed it, particularly yeah. with the Isaiah Bradley scenes. And it was funny because Don Cheadle got nominated for something and he was in there for one minute. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. He, he, I think he, the category was best guest performer or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Which, uh, what? <laughs> guest performer gets a, gets a category? I, I, but Don Cheadle was in there for like literally five seconds. Yeah. But, I mean, those were great five seconds. The best five seconds of the show, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see this Deadpool and, uh, and uh, what's his name? God damn, and, and Korg no. uh, video? What is this? Okay, this is perfect, because I guess... That <laughs> you know what? We may be in the middle of the episode, but I feel like you should give it a watch. Ryan Reynolds, marketing genius that he is, um, got to shoot a reaction... Uh, I don't know if you ever see that trend with YouTubers reacting to, I don't know, pick your, get your pick, whatever, right? Um, they reacted to a trailer for Free Guy, which is Ryan Reynolds' film. I think it's coming out on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. He is dressed up as Deadpool next to Korg. And um, it's the first time we see Deadpool within any sort of like MCU-related media, so... Twitter blew up with it just just like maybe two or three days ago at this point. But yeah, you should you should give it a give it a watch. Why don't we just pause, watch it, and then cut back? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, I got it queued up. I'm gonna watch this four and a half minutes though. Dude, trust me, I'll I'll watch I'll, I'll watch it in sync with you. All right, we're gonna become those trailer reaction. It's a big market. We could Content we could definitely. People. Yeah, why not? All right, three, two, one, go. go. Daddy needs to express some rage. Well, hello there and what's up, Reaction Faction? It's Deadpool. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and follow me on Patreon. Last week, you all really liked my Cruella trailer reaction video. Where are the fucking dogs? So this week, I'll be reacting to a trailer for a movie which I honestly thought came out like a is this year actually ago. his voice? Free guy. Apparently it's this August. We yeah, also have this a is guest him. reactor this week, Korg, who was not my first choice, but apparently everyone else was too busy over on Disney Plus. I thought maybe somebody Korg? like fan made Hello, it. Hello, made of rocks. Thank you for having me, Paul. Sorry you're dead. Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. My name is Guy. Sorry, oh, he's named Guy. Like the movie's title. That's pretty clever. Is it? I've got a best friend. This is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. Oh, oh! Mondays, am I right, Joe? You said it, okay, guys. Yeah. Let's just pause for a second and let everyone comment first. Or this trailer gives away too much. Or Ryan Reynolds is just me, which is super insulting, by the way. All done. And I work at the bank. Everybody's on the ground! I thought I had everything I needed. But then I met her. Oh! oh! Jodie Comer. God, I love her so much. Oh, I hope they don't fridge her. What's fridging? Uh, well, it's the practice of killing off or hurting a female character in order to motivate or torture the main character, also known as Deadpool 2. Thank you for asking. Ah, <laughs> oh, we call that fridging. Call that fridging? Everybody, <laughs> Everybody except you. Me? It's just so There's 
something inside you, guy. They expected you to just fall. It's like a hostage situation. More than that. Put these on. Hostage situation. Fine. Oh my god! What are these trick glasses or something? It's about trick glasses. The glass tricker. This world, it's a video game. You're not real. Please stop my I'm the guy responsible for this world. Any thoughts on our villain, Korg? Uh, looks like he's got four arms. And the two lower ones <laughs> have got gloves on. I like them. <laughs> you have a Disney Plus show, don't you, face? Oh, God. Ooh, trademark infringement. Doesn't that mean that nothing you do matters? I am sitting here with my best friend trying to help him get through a tough time. Now, if that's so not real, like I don't know what is. It seems like it. It has, like, a live-action Wreck-It Ralph go. That little blue shirt. Oh, his face is so punchable. Thanks, guy. I'm gonna be the great guy. Wow, enjoy your lifetime supply of virginity. <laughs> Off you go. This whole good guy routine is ruining the game. Woo! Terminator. That's Taika Waititi. He seems quite nice, actually. A rabbit. Oh. Maybe this is the live-action thumper we all haven't been waiting for. Jump! Jump! Jump and catch the ball! No. Oh, useless. Oh, oh, oh. Wow, body airbag. Love it. I can't die! Something bad's gonna yep. Something oh. bad's gonna yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this looks fun. Only in theaters? In a last days of Fox fire sale kind of way. Not sure if it was worth diverting Canadian Cumberbatch's little mind away from my next movie or... You know what, I'm, I'm gonna give it... Uh, I'll give it four out of five avocados. Korg? I was raised by avocados. Oh my God, just kill me now. <laughs> any uh, any tips on uh, getting into the MCU there, Korg? Uh, have a dream, uh, chase it, lose that dream, just sabotage all sorts of happiness. Is that a bang energy drink on the table? It is. Climb <laughs> up to the peaks of that mountain, and when you get to the top, Land at the bottom and realize you're never going to achieve that dream. And at that point, check your emails. Maybe you'll get something from your agent saying, Marvel wants to talk. Yeah, I prefer Dark World. <laughs> Half a f***ing penny of you for this And we're back. Wow, that's a really funny video, Ivan. Thank you uh, for sharing, sharing that with the class. Good trailer reaction. It was. I I was not expecting that kind of thing. I, I feel like, um, like I said before, Ryan Reynolds is one heck of a marketing genius when it comes to like promoting his stuff. So, also, I was kind of surprised that they um, kind of allowed that kind of crossover. Yeah, I um, this movie was definitely off my radar, and it's probably gonna stay off my radar. As well, <laughs> but uh, it is a funny clash over with. MCU potential characters. I didn't. It something seemed wrong with their voices, though. Is it just me? Yeah, I don't know. Th those are definitely their voices. It, it's Taika Waititi uh, voicing Korg and uh, Ryan Reynolds on Deadpool. You didn't see their face saying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It could, be, it, it could be other people physically playing them, but I'm pretty sure that is their voices. Well. It's still, uh, you're you're right though. He does have a way with uh, making commercials that you want to watch. Yeah, this this was a nice surprise to have in the middle of the week though. Um, I definitely was not expecting anything like this. Um, 
I saw the hashtag Deadpool in the MCU trending, and I was like, oh, immediately need to find out what the heck's going on. But I expected something different than this. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you that, but uh, it was a nice surprise. That usually hits trending uh, on its own volition, though. It doesn't really need a catalyst. Same with, uh, like, Spider-Man trailer or something like that. Or um, hashtag save Britney. Well, yeah, we have to get behind that one. We do. Like, that's some messed up stuff. But not not to deviate into more serious news. But... Let's not get political here. <laughs> I don't think there's anything political about that. <laughs> just free Britney, all right? Anybody listening? Just like She might be running for president. We don't know. I'll, I'll vote for her. Well, lastly, I think, uh, you know, I wanted to do a quick check-in with you on Bad Batch. I don't know if you want to uh, just kind of, like, tell me a little bit about what uh, what your thoughts are on the show so far. Since we're kind of almost at the end with that show at this stage. Yeah, still grinding away at those 17 weeks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I felt like the beginning was really, really good. The, like, hour and a half long movie to start it off and then you immediately get a second episode and those felt good because the the story continued from one to the next uh but this is nothing really like clone wars where a story is continued over an arc which i really enjoyed about clone wars uh however there are like upsides to having every episode be loosely connected to the previous one you do get like the spontaneity of what this episode's going to be about. But this doesn't feel like something that could that should have been released one week at a time. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. I, I feel like I, I, like you, was kind of awaiting for them to do this Clone Wars-style arc system where three episodes would contain a story. Um, this strikes me more of like a Rebels kind of feel, because like, you're sticking with the same cast of characters across the whole show. Um, and the pacing is a bit slow. Uh, it picks up on certain episodes. I've been enjoying it a lot, but it's not something where I feel like, um, you know, like at the edge of my seat waiting for the next episode. Yeah, it seems more like fan service of a series to be like, we're going to introduce characters that got their recognition in Rebels or end arcs that were started in Clone Wars, the series. So it, it seems like they're just trying to, you know, appease the people that watched both of those series or watched every single minute of every movie type of thing. It doesn't really seem like a, like what I wanted it to be, where we really follow the fallout of Order 66. I mean, they're doing it in bits and pieces, but it just doesn't feel natural the way they're doing it. Yeah, it feels like a slow build up to it. And I think the the arc that they're getting into this week because it does feel like an arc, the the Ryloth story that they're getting into. I feel like that's maybe the beginning of them going switching back to like uh, Clone Wars arc system. Uh, we'll see. I feel like we'll, we'll probably have a video discussing on it. A, a video. <laughs> we'll have we'll probably have an episode discussing uh, Bad Batch once the series is over and we can actually kind of reflect on the story as a whole. But are you plugging our face reveal for our fiftieth episode on our <laughs> YouTube channel, Ivan? <gasps> No, that's our 100 subscriber special, which we're still 77 away from. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't smashed that like button and that subscribe button, ring that bell. And we'll tell you three times before you get to the midway point of the video to remind you. <laughs> Give us that ad revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, Bad Batch, I mean, it is stunningly 
beautiful. It picks up on like the quality of the later seasons of Clone Wars. But story-wise, it just feels like it's a little slow and a little random. I would prefer if it had arcs or even if it was just like one contiguous storyline. Yeah, if it can pick up the pace to like a Rebel season four, I think I would totally, totally appreciate the show a lot more. Um, but we'll yeah, see. you only have like 20 minutes and you have to wait a full week before the next episode. It's like, I don't know, maybe drop two a week or something like that. Cut that release time in half. That would maybe make it feel better if you're only getting 20 minutes and it's going slow. That would be great. Or like do a Wednesday release for one episode and then Friday for a second. That that kind of thing. Yeah, they really the want Wednesday to thing because um, why they didn't because it was Loki. But now Loki is over. You probably could ramp it up if they wanted to but yeah i don't think it has the as many eyes as as loki or anything else did um it does have legs i well like i said when we get to bad bad talking about legs i'm talking about eyes (laughs) (laughs) there's not enough sets of eyes on this series um it's it's trending up or so like it 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 does consistently stay but it does yeah it does it does get um trending hashtags and stuff like that on release day so they're definitely. I'm not saying that there's no one's watching this, but I'm just saying it hasn't swept the nation in the way that Loki yeah. has. It doesn't have that mass appeal, no. And I don't but, think any of these but, animated shows will. Yeah, these shows aren't about that really. I think they're more about the fan service. Speaking of fan service, oh god, where's this my going? last my last bit of news? <laughs> um, I actually got a chance to watch a press screener um, for Suicide Squad. Uh, late last week, and um, I've been waiting to talk about it. <laughs> the inside guy, give us your spoiler-free general thoughts. I'll spoil um, everything right now. Oh well, okay, that's fine. Mephisto is the main villain. He crosses over from the Marvel now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I honestly didn't know what kind of expectations to go into because I feel like uh, most of the DC stuff is very mixed bag for me. Like I either yeah. really enjoy it or it's just like. You know, leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Um, the last Suicide Squad, especially, looked like a a nightmare out of a hot topic um, store. You know, <laughs> um, the visuals and all that just, just didn't work for me. Um, and not to say anything about the story, the story was pretty trash too on the last movie. But um, they so basically, this is this Suicide Squad movie is simply titled The Suicide Squad. It's directed by James Gunn, who's directed both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, and I feel like it definitely definitely feels a lot more comic booky uh, than some of the DC stuff that we've gotten in the past. It's a lot of fun. And it might be my favorite movie that James Gunn has done so far, which I didn't think it was going to beat out Guardians 1, but it, it does for me. Everybody just seems to like play the role so well. Uh, so much so that I feel like there's, it's it's hard to kind of explain the, the enjoyment I got out of this movie. Th- there's a ton of Easter eggs for comic book fans, but similar to how he does Guardians of the Galaxy, the humor is really good, and it's what carries the movie all the way through. And the cast is really good too. Uh, oh, and Margot Robbie, I think, probably delivers her best performance as Harley Quinn that we've seen in the DC EU. Um, if we can really call it that, because I'm not really sure what the heck they're they're doing with the continuity of the previous uh, film. They kind of touch on that a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I like I'll that leave. movie. I, w- I was being serious. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, no, it, I, I feel like she does a wonderful job here. But I feel like there's something about James Gunn where he, I feel like he understands comic book characters and properties where he embraces the silliness of a lot of these characters. Um, and in doing so within the narrative, it kind of gets the audience also very willing to go along for the ride. Whereas if you compare that to the previous Suicide Squad movie, it just felt unnecessarily edgy in some parts and very forced. Uh, but and this movie doesn't have those elements at all. Like it's it's actually a very fun, enjoyable ride. Um, and honestly, for a movie I w- that wasn't even in my radar of like wanting to watch, um, it might be one of my favorite movies so far this year. Wow, this is high praise. But Do you think I should <laughs> stop making jokes against it and actually watch it when it comes out on HBO Max? Yeah, I, I think for for yeah, I, I think HBO Max would be a good viewing for this movie. Uh, where, I don't, where are we with uh, James Gunn? Are we supporting him? Or I thought he was... Canceled? An, an, yeah, a canceled offensive tweeter. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, anybody who had access to Twitter in the early stages, I think, is an offensive tweeter. <laughs> um, thank God I didn't join Twitter until, like, super late. <laughs> Whoa. Are you hiding something inside there? No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I feel like if you like or retweet this anything This is journalism. Right, it it is kind of gutched. So I don't know if you know any of the backstory on it, but like that, the James Gunn thing I thought was really dumb on all parties involved. Um, he he was, and just I guess not to get too much into it, right? But like he had made some, um, pretty tasteless jokes. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Like if anybody's <laughs> interested in going and looking at those tweets, have at it. Um. But that, deliberately crude jokes about the Holocaust, 9-11 attacks, AIDS. When you look at the actual context in which all of that stuff was kind of tweeted out and said, it was literally just a guy trying to get a rise out of people in terms of like uh, getting a reaction. He's he's basically a troll on Twitter. And he has been up until that point when uh, people started like calling him out on it. And I feel like the, the, the reason why all that happened is because he kept calling out uh, conservative analysts and politicians. And so they then started this whole campaign of digging up his his tweets from about a decade ago. Uh, And so it made enough of a noise to get Disney to notice and say that we don't want anything to do with him. So they let him go. Uh, Interestingly enough, though, he is he is back in Disney's um, Rolodex, I guess, of of directors because he's directing Guardians 3. Yeah, I see they brought him back. Yeah. So. if he's good enough for a clean, morally a morally clean organization like Disney, <laughs> good enough for me then. Wait, it, are they not? <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna watch Space Jam and that's it. There's this thing called Song of the South that I don't think Disney wants anybody to talk about, <laughs> or any of the original Mickey Mouse stuff, or anything Walt used to do. Yeah, and then there's that one, the Dumbo sequence with the um, crows. You know, the, you know, I don't think anybody has their hands clean in this world, as, as I think what this kind of shows us. True. Well, that's good to hear that uh, the movie actually looks better than uh, the jokes, the easy jokes there are for it, looking at the trailer. But, um, yeah, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, I think it's it's a good movie to watch. Or 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 if um, you've had one too many to drink and you're looking for a good laugh. Oh, well, there you go too. Yeah, much like our podcast. 
Yeah, well, I'd like to think that half, at least half of our audience is sober. Well, we'll, we'll get those stats back to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at us on our poll. Yeah. How do you listen to the pod? <laughs> Uh, but that's uh, enough out of me from news. I think we could that, probably That's move plenty on. of news. I'm also in the same vein. Let's move on to the to the finale episode of Loki. Mephisto, oh my god. For all time. Yes. Always. <laughs> Mephisto no, for all time. You don't time. say yes, you say always. Always. You've watched six weeks of this and you still don't know the their phrase? Their I, slogan? In my defense, it's only iconically uttered like three times throughout the whole thing. More than enough. I got it on a T-shirt. <laughs> All right, let's do uh, spoiler-free general thoughts. You want to go first? Yeah. Well, let me steal your ideas real quick. Go ahead. My note section. I expected that. <laughs> so, to me, I thought this was a decent ending. Um, that felt just shy of being a great um, episode. Um, the same kind of issues that I feel like I brought up on the on the show week to week have kind of been plaguing it this, this whole time are, are literally all over the place in this last episode. And that's pacing issues. Um, there's too little action in their exposition. Um, and they rely too heavily on fan drive. And what I mean by that is I feel like the stuff that I kind of feel like the general audience needs an explanation for doesn't really get a lot of explanation. They're kind of relying almost on you being familiar with some of the source material. Um, and I, you know, while I really like the show's uh, character decisions and character development, I do feel like the pacing kind of makes it seem like a slower show than it really is. Uh, I don't know if my opinion will change if I like were to sit down and binge all six episodes um, at this stage, but um, I'm not all that satisfied with the ending. But I feel like it was good for what it was. For me, Jonathan Majors carries this whole episode as um, the the one who remains. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So. <laughs> further. Yeah. You're, That's you're all I'll say. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can uh, I can respect that take because um, I agree. I mean, I think technically this was a great episode. Like it was a verbal chess match. You know, deliver on a. It was literally just one single set as their stage but it had like massively universal stakes on the line and it really comes down to like this whole like theme that we've been talking about for the whole the whole six weeks here is you know it's the boy who cried wolf do you who do you like when do you trust him and that's what it comes down to and i enjoy those because it's like okay now it's my turn as the audience member i get to place my bets like I trust this person or I don't trust this person. Um, and again, the visuals are so stunning in this show that they um, they can easily distract from you know the writing that's done. And I agree, uh, we can say Jonathan Abram or Jonathan um, Majors, not Jonathan Abrams. He's a safety in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, he like he can easily um, almost be overlooked by how like visually beautiful the setting is in this episode and in the show. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, for some reason, and I still, we're, we're recording this later than usual, two days later. I still, I can't place my finger on why, but it just doesn't work for me at the ending. And I, maybe it's just my like being impatient and I wasn't expecting a season two. Like I knew there was rumors about it. Um, 
but I was just expecting this to be wrapped up in a neater way. And I feel like they wrapped it up in a way that a, a show that knew they were getting a season two would wrap something up. Yeah, I think maybe you're kind of used to the formats of these shows. And this show in particular kind of threw some of those elements off. Um, and it, 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 Every other show, I feel like, tied up loose ends nicely at the end. Left a little bit of a door open enough to say, like, you could maybe visualize the season two. But you're right. This this uh, season, I feel like, ends on a wink and a nod to say, like, oh, you know, see you soon to the audience. Uh, which, soon being two years. <laughs> right. Well, that's the other thing, too, is, like, when is season two coming out? Because how much of this is going to be followed up in some of the movies and how much of this is not going to be followed up? Like, are we yeah, going to be with this is set like what I think the expectation of everyone was this will set up Doctor Strange slash Spider-Man and anything else coming out soon. But now this seems like does this set those up? Because if it gets resolved in those, then what's Loki 2 going to be about? Like or so. So does this basically mean that Doctor Strange and Spider-Man achieve nothing in their movies? Um. Yeah, that's 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 the big question. Uh, I kind of I have my thoughts on where I feel like they're probably going to go with it, but we can get into the end of spoiler section. Uh, but yeah, I I'm I'm also kind of left wondering exactly what they which direction they're going to go with this. Yeah, so I think we can wrap that up for the spoiler free section. I mean, end of the day, this is still a really really good series. Uh, I think we both are probably just going to go back and now that we have the benefit of having them all available to us, we'll probably just end up watching them one after another in a weekend sort of fashion. So yeah. maybe that will change perspectives. All for the visuals. It is very visually beautiful. Yeah. And Jonathan Majors himself is pretty visually beautiful as well. <laughs> all righty then. <laughs> so that's going to do it for spoiler free. So uh, if you haven't seen it, and you still plan to throw us on pause, uh, go watch that, come back and then, um, we're, we're going to get into scenes, characters, and plot discussion. So can we talk about Mephisto? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we can talk about another M name, though. Which Give one? A nice little jump scare there. Oh, Ooh. my God. <laughs> that pretentious put in your expletive here. <laughs> Myth, man, it's y'all. <laughs> <laughs> knew it. I knew it was her the whole time. Well, yeah, the the timekeepers were AI, so it made sense that she would be the the ultimate baddie. <laughs> My only complaint about Miss Minutes is that I wish Dolly Parton would have done her voice, but alas, <laughs> we are here. That would have been interesting for sure. Um, I liked her coming back to this, and I liked that she was like trying to do this whole Matrix style of red pill blue pill reinsert yourself into this reality that you know is a lie but you'll like you're back in your element type of thing and we'll even give you what you want in that life um but it, it mostly just spoke to loki like there wasn't much of a plea to sylvie so i think what they were trying to do is just like if we can get these guys weaker as or like see what their temptation is if we can get them to buy in then we know that they're not going to qualified to take over 
Yeah, I feel like the whole purpose of Miss Minutes is to kind of set up Loki for later. Like, basically, just to almost remind Sylvie, like, hey, this guy is actually not a decent guy. Like, you shouldn't trust him. Because she constantly brings up, like, the Battle of New York. Um, and his the option for him was, oh, go back, rule Asgard, win and beat the Avengers. And basically everything that in the past Loki has wanted. So, and, and you're right, like, from a deal perspective not much was offered to Sylvie other than, you know, I, I guess like a, a lifetime of happy memories. Yeah, and I guess the other pitch was also that they would be inserted into the timeline together. So it, it's funny that that wasn't also a big enough selling point. But it is, it's interesting because they're pitching something that they both wanted but did they ever really want, like, this is the problem with, like, saying there was no free will. It's like, did they ever actually want those things? Or were they just written to have wanted those things? Yeah, that's where some of this um, stuff gets a little bit confusing. Because you don't really know. And I'm left wondering, too, like, by the end of the episode, was that connection real for both of them? It had to have been, right? Because I don't think so. <laughs> that's the well, problem. Is like, I think everything, if you... Show me the on a piece of paper that everything is scripted. Then, I mean, we're, we're, we'll skip ahead a little bit here. But he says, like, uh, Jonathan Major's character says, you know, you can't get uh, get to the end until you've been changed by the journey. This stuff needs to happen. So, so it's I like f- it's written for them. They have this intimate moment, this like these building up of a relationship because he wrote it for them. I kind of view it like, and this is maybe sounds a little weird, but like to me, it kind of seems like almost like yard work. If you get what I mean, like um, Jonathan Majors' character, his whole point is not so much to write reality, but more so to avoid certain avenues. Sort of the way you you'll like trim a bush to make sure that it's sta- like it's shaped. Plucking the weeds. Yeah making sure that the timeline keeps its shape. So I don't think he necessarily wrote anybody out to be a certain way. He just knows them well enough or has seen the timeline enough to know what will probably happen. I want to agree with you because I do like that explanation of it better. But it doesn't explain why he's able to predict every move she makes when she, like tries to strike him down and he gives us the concrete proof like this has all been scripted for you and it's going like the script is going to come to an end and that's where you have your free will to make your decisions based on how i've written you to develop over time yeah i i will say and we could probably just give him his name really because is so he refers to himself as he who remains to i guess to get a little bit of backstory here in the comics Kang the Conqueror has very various different um, names. They're not necessarily all variants. They're just they're all in the comics. The understanding is that it's all him, but he's just existing at different points in the timeline, being somebody else. So he's like, he's the young Iron Iron Man from the Young Avengers. At one point, he is a descendant of uh, Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. He's, um, I think, some like Egyptian emperor, if memory serves right. I don't know the name off the top of my head. 
Um, and he's also this Apocalypse. character called him. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Apocalypse is a completely different character. <laughs> he's um, the ruler of, of Egypt. <laughs> he does. I think they cross paths at some point, but I don't. They're definitely two separate characters. Um, but but he's also this character called Immortus, who they call the um, the one who remains. Um, but every single story with Immortus, or anytime you kind of touch on him, it's it's a version of Kang that knows that he's evil, so he goes back in time to prevent himself from being evil. Uh, and he's one of the founders of the TVA. It's always, in the comics, it's kind of like inferred that he's a version of Kang, but they never deliberately say it. Uh, you get all the visual cues, because they wear almost the same identical outfit, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, in, in this series, it seems like he's kind of the architect because he paints himself out, like you said, to be the guy that actually, um, wrote all this out. But at the same time, if he is the guy who's writing all this out, why then just kind of, I guess, is he stopping at like, that's what I didn't kind of get is like his reasoning behind wanting to essentially um, have the multiverse spin into madness. Yeah, no, my my understanding of it was that he was, like, I, I, this is where it comes into that, like, who do you believe in, and, like, how confident are you in that? And I'm with Loki in believing his story, that he is tired of doing it, and he needs someone else to just do it for him. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I truly understand the writing everything out for people. Like, I think the the point of his story was like you have to actually have the experiences. I can't like put like implant those memories or those reactions to things inside your head, but I can force you to go down that path. So maybe like free will exists in your mind based on like how it how you react to things or how you feel about things. But the actual actions that you take or the action, like the reactions that happen around you are because of his writing. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell because, like, he paints himself out to be some sort of savior, too, right? Because, like, if, 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 um, if we follow the logic that he is the one, I guess, kind of constructing everything, then in that case... Uh, a world or a universe without him is just pure chaos. So free will is always going to result in chaos. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, um, you know, skipping to the very end, I think we can kind of interweave how this episode goes together. But skipping to the very end, the interaction, like when the script runs out and they cross the threshold and it's now this is totally free will. I don't know what's going to happen next. I, th yeah, I think we can kind of like skip around a little bit in the episode. Cause it all kind of pieces together in, in different ways. There's really only like two storylines, but I think the, like the interaction of Loki and Sylvie, once the free will is in, enabled, like the end of the script has run out and now whatever they do, he has no idea what they're going to choose. That clash, I think, is like evidence to his story where it's variants are just going to look to destroy each other because of whatever reason it is. In his case, because of wanting power. But in Loki and Sylvie's case, it's because of trust, right? 
So why would anyone else's variations of themselves turn out any different? And if the multiverse has opened up, like, are we going to see the Spider-Mans end up trying to fight against each other? Or, I mean, it's Disney, so they'll probably just have them fighting with each other. I think it might be more of a case of can can several um, branches of reality exist in that kind of like branch out, right? Because it seems like if you don't control the Nexus events, the universes are just going to be crashing into one another. Yeah, I mean, well, then that goes to do you believe that bit of the dogma of the TVA? Or is it just that like they had to just create a story so it's like if we prune it, then it won't these branches won't run into each other because it seems like the branches do a pretty good job of like never actually touching. Yeah. I feel like if I can kind of like take a guess here, I, I feel like there's more of a chance of half of the story being concocted and just total BS. You got what I mean? Like I feel like who's um, um, the reasoning behind him forming the timeline. I feel like he does deliberately want he wanted to die. He didn't want to just kind of leave it in their hands. He he definitely did plan on and wanted to end it. So he wanted the all the stuff that he's worked on to unravel. Um for what reason I don't really know. Like I said in, if you if we're looking at the comics for some sort of guidance, it's usually he goes back in time to prevent himself from being born into existence at a later point in time um so that that could be it like he 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 does keep referring to the, his variants being a lot more evil in him so yeah, i guess he's kind of that he definitely does make an effort in every bit of his story to say like you thought i was the devil but i'm actually the one keeping you safe from the other devils and that bit to me is like okay you said it once you don't need to say it five more times. We get the picture. There's, you're kind of. It seems like you're covering up for something, right? And I think the the we are, well, we 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 know that he's been cast as Kang for Ant Man three. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this is a future or I don't know. I'm I'm trying to like wrap my head around how this exactly is going to work, right? Because the unleashing the multiverse just to create the evil version of him in a further timeline like i don't know exactly what that accomplishes at this point in time yet well yeah let's let's talk because that ties into the ending so obviously loki gets sentenced to some other we don't know what it is we assume it's the tva that we know um and sylvie is the one who sends him and then ultimately kills kang and then it kind of gives us that like Planet of the Apes ending where Loki finds Mobius and B-15 and starts like confessing what happened in the Citadel. And then they have no idea who he is. And then he looks out to see where the three timekeepers statues were. He sees the one of Kang. So, yeah, what did what was your take on what that meeting was? So. I took that to mean that he was sent to a whole different timeline. Um, and so just hear me out in this, because it's going to take me a little bit <laughs> to kind of explain. But the beginning of this episode, 
um, and I picked this up on the second viewing, but when the the intro, when when you get the standard Marvel, um, uh, what do you call it, the white card, when it starts coming in, and you you have the Marvel logo and all the character yeah, uh, scenery credits, yeah, yeah, you get a whole bunch of lines from different characters across mm-hmm. the entire MCU. Definitely not the norm for any intro, right? Um, and you also get real world. Uh, political leaders and social like um, events kind of like quotes from different people like you hear people from like Martin Luther King quote all the way to like I think you hear a Gandhi quote in there and the one that kind of stood out, stood out for me was uh, Greta Thunberg's um, quote from like it's like a small excerpt from her speech there's so much that's kind of loaded into that and I think that that's a a, a sound cue for the audience uh, because when you start zooming out and it shows you the the timeline, it first shows you these little pockets. Like it's almost like these two little planet-looking spaces. Um, and then we zoom out of that, and then you start going into the this little like swirly thing where you get more uh, MCU quotes. And once it zooms all the way out, it's that one ring is the one sacred timeline that we've been exploring in the show. Um, I think the reason why we had that intro was to kind of introduce the idea that this is one ring, like one timeline, one universe. And there is another, there are other timelines like this elsewhere that are completely different universes, completely independent of the one we have here. Well, yeah, that was expected or suspected throughout this series and then confirmed by Kang in his story that like his first version of himself discovered that the universes are just stacked on top of each other and then his exploration of how to communicate with the others is what caused this like multiversal war um yeah i don't know if that means loki's in a different multiverse or a different universe i kind of took those audio cues at the beginning of the episode as like um feedback if you were like time traveling so i kind of thought that especially with the line about jonathan major says about um kill me and i'll see you in a little bit or he says that right after he gets stabbed he's like i'll see you in a little bit and winks and like nods off and dies because he says it's all about reincarnation so i kind of thought that he was like restarting the timeline that they were on that could be everything got like wiped at the same moment not uh, wiped like all those branches got pruned but just that like of this universe that they're in it was kang's tva before he created the timekeepers that could be that too um i know that we in the past when we did see that um little library hall that 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 statue wasn't there it was the three timekeepers so that could mm-hmm. express that he's back in time somewhere um yeah, I don't know. I It just kind of confused me a bit. <laughs> That's the problem I think I have with this episode is, like, it's too interpretive. Leave us off in a little bit better of a spot where we can look forward to a season two, but not somewhere that we're like, okay, you kicked us out of the car, like the moving car, and you didn't even give us a map of where we can navigate where we are, you know? <laughs> right. Right. And this multiversal war feels like it's a re- it's almost like the Thanos buildup from Avengers where like you know there's a bigger threat coming 
And this one does seem to dwarf that Thanos threat. Um, but it's just, it's kind of hard to see what the heck is actually going to come out of it. Uh, because we know Kang the Conqueror is coming. Um, I just don't know what the point is if he had already had control of everything. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, I'm interested from your point of view as somebody who likes the comics and obviously the comics have such a bigger universe appeal. Are you comfortable with what the MCU is deciding to do where it's getting so much bigger exponentially? Like the phases one through three was here are the rules we're playing by. I mean, we're pretty much only playing on planet Earth. And the rules are like, these are the Infinity Stones. They're in the universe. They're like all powerful. And there's one guy who wants to rule it all. Like that took 20 movies to establish. Are you comfortable with like the left-hand turn they've made in this phase where they're saying all of that's kind of, it was just like pre-written work by Kang or it's not actually entirely true and there's so much bigger and badder out there. So I feel like, yes, I, I like it and I don't like it at the same time, because I feel like from what I always like to do is just separate my, my love of the comics. Cause I feel like the MCU was the first time that you kind of got that really weird, um, satisfying feeling that you get when you're reading comics because when if you ever delve into like the comic book lore it's a huge universe and there's something in there to read for any everybody so if you like space level heroes you got a whole bunch of books for that if you rather just stick to kind of like street level heroes like daredevil spider-man that kind of, there's a book for that um we're getting to that point with the mcu so that aspect of it i appreciate um, when we start doing these overarching kind of like unifying threats, similar to like what they did with Thanos, I feel like we are getting dangerously close to maybe alienating the mainstream audience that may be more of a casual fan. Um, and the reason why I say that is because there's stuff that's hard to follow. And it's, I think for your average viewer, you're looking at it as like, your it's the, the your reaction is going to depend on what your understanding of the threat is, right? Like with Thanos is very simple, straightforward. This is a big tough guy in space with a whole bunch of um, minions. He wants these uh, stones to control the universe. Um, it gets more complicated after that, right? Because like you have, like we haven't even touched on a villain like Galactus in the MCU, which is huge. Um, we haven't looked at Silver Surfer. We haven't looked at. Um, you know, take your pick, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I think the where it gets complicated is when you tackle villains like Kang. So I feel like I do like the expansion of the MCU. I do think it's getting big. I think depending on how it's handled, it can either be a really good thing that will sustain the franchise for like decades to come, or it's going to go stale real quick because it's going to be hard for people to follow. I think part of the reason why people don't get into comics nowadays is because they feel overwhelmed by the amount of story that they feel like they need to learn. And we might be getting to that point here. That's 100% my perspective. Like, I would put myself in that average fan grouping. And some of my other friends that I, like, go to see these movies with, too, also feel the same, where it's like, we put in, like, 13, what is it, 13, 14 years of watching movies and building up this threat. And 
you immediately just in the course of one show, one episode, say, none of that really happened and none of that like really matters. Like I'm okay with like going bigger and badder because I understand like you can't you have to build up like it, everything's gonna get compared to the previous villain. So I understand that like Thanos is one level and you have to go better like bigger than that on the next level and then something bigger than Kang on the next one, however long they're gonna go on for. Um, but to your point where it's like the point of the comics was like, you get to stay in the lane that you want. So if you wanted that, you know, small town hero, you could read those. Or if you wanted that space travel hero, you could read on those. It seems like because they feel they're forced to tie everything together into one timeline, it seems like you don't get any of either. They're all just becoming this, you know, Avenger across universes level. And it's like Spider-Man just is like a teenage kid. Just let him do that. I feel like we're going to get to a point, though, where and and this is, again, not trying to like be a bit of an apologist for, for Marvel here, but I do feel like we still don't know exactly how they're using these shows to build up the universe. I think sure. for for anybody who definitely wants to like experience everything, then have at it, you know, great. You, you you get to watch all those movies, but I tell me if you feel differently, but I feel like the MCU, um, especially for like some of the new coworkers I have too, that, you know, sometimes we'll like chat movies and stuff. Uh, for folks who are not familiar at all with comic book lore, I've seen people who have enjoyed these movies that haven't seen all the Avengers stuff, or some of them have only seen the Avengers stuff, but haven't seen any of the standalone stuff. And they're still able to follow it and they're still still able to enjoy it. And my hope is that 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 continues into the future, because I feel like you get a bigger kick if you're able to watch everything. But you can just be selective about what you watch. I think the chore for Kevin Feige um, and everybody over at Marvel moving forward is going to be making the world seem connected, but not necessarily so boxed in, Uh, because you kind of write yourself into a corner, too. Well, yeah, especially when you start dictating new rules and it's if you don't play by them or if every character doesn't play by them, then that's when like the diehard fans are going to get on you. But right. I do agree. There are, there is like a subset of fans that are like the very, very casual fans that have only watched like that will like my friends or family that do that. They'll ask me, which movies do I need to watch before this? Like if I was going to like binge one or two movies before this, what do I need to know about black widow? You know, like that's, there are right. those fans, but I don't know if those are like maybe they are the target demo then, because then if you can make it that casual where you could just watch one or two movies before you go in to see something, that might be it. But uh, that might be where more money is. But I don't know. It's very difficult what they're doing because they spent 13 years saying all of this is connected. And now it's like you're branching off, not just in this show, but like branching off into so many different projects. It's like, are all of these essential for the next one? Like with like Black Widow, yeah. you, like they start tying in like Val from Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's like, man, are we gonna get that granular? Like when they had Agents of Shield, they didn't do anything special that we had to have seen that, right? Uh, they kind of did. So Agents of Shield is a weird scenario though, because Agents of Shield always acknowledged the existence and what's going on with the MCU at those times, but the MCU never acknowledged Agents of Shield. 
Um, That's what I mean, though. Like, these shows should be more fan service than required reading. I don't think they are required, though. Cause, so we just blew up the multiverse. <laughs> well, <laughs> they yeah, but... They Val. They have, like... They, they built entirely new powers for Wanda. Falcon's entirely a new character. He's now Captain America. These are required reading. Yeah, yes, but I'd argue that you don't necessarily need to watch that to be caught up with whatever the, those characters are going to cut out uh, are going to do in the next movie. And here, here's why I say that. Like we knew that Sam was going to become Captain America. If you don't watch Falcon and Winter Soldier, you still know he's the next Captain America. Why? Because he gets handed the shield at the end of Endgame. If your average um, audience score uh, goes to the next Avengers movie and sees Falcon as Captain America, he's not going to question, oh, why is he Captain America? He knows because he just saw Endgame before, even if he didn't watch uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'll know, like, the trajectory of the character was that he first rejected the shield, but your average audience score isn't going to know that. Then the other thing is, like, if you're... The, the, the after the credit stuff, I feel like, is played okay so far. Because even if you don't, like, you haven't watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, you didn't watch Black Widow, or you only saw Black Widow, but you didn't see Falcon, and you see this character show up, you know that her name is Valentina, and you know that she's recruiting um, Natasha's sister, right? But until you get, like, a Thunderbolts movie, or whatever the point of that character is, you don't necessarily need to know until they finally show up and get their story established. I just feel like we haven't really gotten to the point where everything is necessary viewing until you tell the story of that character. For us, it's just kind of like little crumbs of things, though. No, that's that's saying, like, you have a big book report to do and you like and it's due at the end of the month. But there's like check ins for every week. You're saying I'm going to read this whole thing the night before. It still gets done at the end of the month. Like, there are some times that you are correct, like the Captain America getting handed the shield. That's continuity. Yes, you don't have to see the struggle of earning the shield. But you can't then introduce John Walker into the MCU without being like, oh, you should have seen that show. Or if Wanda has, like, insane powers or understanding about runes and whatnot, and Vision is now back on the streets, but he's in all white. I don't know. These things have to be answered somewhere. That's true, but I, I feel like they're probably going to answer those things in the most MCU way possible in terms of like summarizing things right Gosh. at the beginning of the movie. No, but, but well, like for example, take Spider-Man: Homecoming, right? Like you got your introduction to Spider-Man in Civil War. Um, but if you didn't watch that movie, you got to see bits and pieces of Civil War in Homecoming in the beginning. So it kind of got straight to the point of like, oh, this is your MCU Spider-Man. He went with the Avengers to do God knows what. You like allude to it a little bit. But you know enough to follow that story and not have to like drag out the details, I guess, too much with that. Um, as long as they play that balancing act, I think they're good. It's just that the one... I, I will give you this. I feel like WandaVision does seem like the only required <laughs> viewing out of, th- out of the three shows because Wanda does go through a huge transformation that you're not going to be able to just summarize in one go. Or you can, but it's just... I feel like it's not going to feel as earned. You could oversimplify it, yeah. Yeah. So it just... I don't know. The Valentina thing is a unique situation, though, because I feel like 
we haven't gotten a movie leading into a show that directly. Yeah, pretty immediate, too. Yeah. So I, the way that I feel like they're going to play out this Loki thing is we the multiverse has just went into chaos, right? Loki's going to handle the situation in his own corner um, of the issue. And what we're going to see in Spider-Man No Way Home and in Doctor Strange is the effects of the rest of the world dealing with the um, this um, calamity, I guess. Yeah, that's one thing that I kind of am annoyed with the fans on Twitter about is like, how many memes were there about like Doctor Strange going to be upset when he sees what Sylvie did and like that he is to be the one who cleans it up. It's like, just because you think of that right now gives me reason to believe that that's not what's going to happen. Right. I, f- I feel like he's <laughs> just going to be like, you get around, like he'll he'll see the after effects of that issue from his own corner but he's i don't think we're gonna go into like him fixing the entire mess he's not going to the void to then yeah no get past Eliath to clean up from inside the citadel like he's not responsible for cleaning that up and i don't think they're gonna make it that way because that's what everyone's thinking yeah no i think loki's gonna be the one to clean up that mess in some way in season two but i I feel like what we're gonna see in no way home and then dr strange is Kind of like shockwaves, I guess. It's almost like the after, the after tremors of what just happened. It's like getting um, all those scenes about when people blipped away from right. the result of Infinity War, but you're now seeing it in different perspectives. I think it's going to be like that, like you're saying. Yeah, and I feel like I will enjoy that for sure. Yeah. Um, where where I feel like I'd be more annoyed with this show is if it leads directly into like, oh, now that Loki's messed everything up. Doctor Strange needs to come in and fix this whole mess. Yeah. Um, because then it's going to be like, okay, well, now then what do we do with season two of Loki? Right. Right. I, f- I feel like Loki's going to be all about just setting up Kang to be the next Thanos. And then after season two, we'll we'll see him appear in Ant-Man 3 and, and finally get to that phase of Marvel. But I feel like this um, this phase, we might be dealing with a different situation. I don't think they necessarily are going to have a repeat of building up to a Thanos level event. I think we'll have those events happen faster. And I don't necessarily think they'll all be more intense than, than the last, but um, I do think that they'll try to kind of navigate the scales a little bit. And the only reason why I say that is because once you introduce Kang, you have to touch on certain characters because of the story you need to tell with him. So now it makes sense to me that Fantastic Four has been announced to come out right after Ant-Man 3. Um, and then now it makes sense to me that we're getting, um, I guess, kind of like serious dark uh, side of the MCU with Blade, which, by the way, I think Mahershala Ali is definitely going to kill that role. Um, but, yeah, like it, it makes more sense now because you, you can kind of use this event to say, like, oh, like, look at all these possible stories that we could tell with this. And I feel like the whole purpose of this multiverse thing is also to if, you know, take 10 or 20 years down the line. They say, hey, we want to do another Avengers 1 at some point. Well, now you can just simply say, oh, well, this is still the MCU, but it's this other universe. It's not the prime universe that you guys came to new before. And that, to me, feels lazy, though. Yeah, but that's what everybody's been doing for so far. Like, I mean, how many Batmans have we done? Like, it's literally a reboot, but they're just going to be doing that in a more creative way. Oh, you're saying like a new cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that, like way down the line. I'm 
like this is a smart way for them to then argue and say like oh well it's still the mcu but we're in a different pocket of this huge world i feel like that's more so why they're doing this kind of story um and then also to just kind of delve into the multiversal characters that inevitably you kind of have to get into if you really want to go deep into marvel which we went into guardians we went into guardians so like we went way deep into marvel already (laughs) yeah let's not get too deep onto uh onto this pod maybe for another one no i like i like where this convo went i mean this wasn't a huge episode to dissect because like we said it was set on one stage i mean yes there was the bits in tva which was kind of like a distract us and give us no info kind of thing but uh i'm sure those will those scenes between mobius and renslayer will come up in loki season two but for purposes of this episode it was all focused on jonathan majors tom hiddleston and whatever her name is sylvie (laughs) oh sylvie um yeah and i think it was all dialogue. I mean, there was one bits of action there at the end, but I I enjoyed the like the chess match they had going. Of do you believe him? Do you not believe him? I just wish we got more payback on being asked as an audience member, do you believe Kang or not? And everybody picked a side. Like I'm with Loki or I'm with Sylvie. But then there's no payoff of like. Well, did I choose right? Now I have to wait two years to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a grueling wait. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But who do you believe? I went with Loki and Kang. I think that he is, like, as unfortunate as it is, he is, like, the necessary devil. He's, like, the better version of them, of of his variants. And... The TVA, however evil it is, keeps everything in order. And I buy that story. Yeah, I do too. And on a side note, I think that whole uh, interaction between Miss Minutes and uh, Judge Renslayer, I think she she probably got some sort of instruction to go off and maybe have the timeline reset in a certain way. Um, maybe that's her B uh that's going to be like the b plot for season two yeah and there was definitely something more to mobius taking a lunge at renslayer um because he lost that engagement instantaneously that made me think like maybe he pulled a move that loki pulled on him where he took something off of her like her tent pad or whatever it is um something that she would need that's what I was expecting too. I was just waiting for that delivery to come on and be like, "Oh, I took her," you know, whatever. Yeah, I think I think that's just all for like season two kind of thing. He took her key card, so now she can't get into the bathroom, even if she tries. on her. <laughs> a company card. <laughs> but I think that wraps it up. I mean, we kind of morphed predictions and stuff into this, um, but I guess we can clear the stage if there's any lasting thoughts that you want to deliver on the series or or where we're going next that you haven't yeah can like can we just get mephisto into the mcu like it's like come on like i I am happy that i mean you texted me this immediately after it that they didn't make the mistake that wandavision did like setting up clearly for one villain and then changing it at the last minute (laughs) i understand there was like scheduling and whatever issues with covid for 
filming WandaVision. But um, that one, like, really stung and kind of made us not trust where things are being led. So maybe we can get back on track of, like, if it's obviously going one direction, just put your money on that horse. Yeah, I, I did like the outcome in terms of, like, the, the revelation that this is Kang. And we are, you know, we definitely are going to get him um, at some point. I feel like as long as they handle this story well, a Kang story could be very, very enjoyable. Um, I will say one thing that I actually don't believe that Kang will be the next Thanos-level threat. I feel like there is a story to tell with him, but I feel like they're probably going to tie that in to whatever they're doing with um, with the Fantastic Four. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be the next Thanos threat. I feel like we're just about to see whatever that's going to be um, in this next phase. But that's just me speculating. That's, you know, that's totally possible. Dr. Doom is coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's, like, built up in this episode too much as, like, he has to be the enemy. Whereas, like, when we saw Avengers and we saw the would-be Thanos slip on the Infinity Gauntlet and say, I'll do it myself. That was definitively saying it's going to be him. Whatever next uh, franchise or movie we get that deals with the reformation of the Avengers, I think that's where we'll get the indication of what the next Thanos is going to be. Um, yeah. And with Fantastic Four coming, I'm like, it could be Galactus, it could be Doctor Doom. I feel like those make sense to to kind of bring in. I do think Kang is that much of a threat too, but I just feel like it feels like they want to shape him up to be a different kind of threat than what we're used to yeah uh actually real quick before we sign it off so now that we've gotten all the disney show disney plus shows in their entirety and understanding that you're probably going to go back and rewatch these in a much more fluid fashion than on a week-to-week basis what's your uh what's your ranking of all three i feel like my ranking is going to change the minute i binge watch the series probably yeah but i feel like right now it would probably have to be, and I keep switching back and forth with this ranking, but Loki's definitely my number two show. As of now, it's probably Falcon and Winter Soldier that takes number one spot, and then WandaVision takes third. I like all of these shows almost equally. I just feel like, from an execution standpoint, Falcon and Winter Soldier feels like it had everything tied up pretty well with a bow on the, at the top of everything. Um and I don't know, to me, it just felt like the one that I got the most out of for my time invested in that show. You heard it here, Faust. Ivan hates WandaVision. Yeah, <laughs> no. I did not. <laughs> this is a very tough ranking, too, because it's like they each have something going for them that the other shows didn't. But then they also each have their own drawbacks. But I agree. I think I put Falcon Winter Soldier number one. I think Loki's number two. And then WandaVision would be third. Um, but it's it's really difficult to say because like there there's points in each one that I like. I think if WandaVision maybe delivered on the Mephisto thing or on a bad guy that actually made more sense, it probably would elevate it. But I think the Falcon Winter Soldier was like this is the Marvel I know and that I like. It had a good um, pacing of action and character development that felt kind of earned, but. I think we can call it there. I mean, if uh, you're listening and you want to give us your ranking of the three, or if um, there's something specific about this episode or this entire show that we you think we missed, feel free to hit
hit us up on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall, four being four th. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs> Was it? We have that Marvels assembled, the making of Loki coming up, right? Oh, I forgot about those series. Yeah. Yes, we're not yes. done with Loki. Yeah, we got one more in the tank left. And then, what is it, the What If series is after? Man, we're set for life. We have that, and we have Star Wars anime on its way with that Star Wars uh, Visions, I think it's called. I don't know. And there we, we have go. a lot. We have we're, a lot. We're, we're set. All right, well, <laughs> I kept this long enough here. Thanks for listening.